Well, hello, this is Jamie Oichel from RunningRestaurants.com, and i got an absolutely great podcast session for you today. My guest, Darren Dennington, talks all about his business and the things he does to help restaurants succeed. We get into uh, team training, secret shopping, and coaching, and, and we hit on tons of stuff and secrets inside your business that are absolutely going to make a difference for your restaurant. So let's get right to it. All right, so I've known Darren for years, but I've never interviewed him, and I'm not sure why we haven't done that yet, but uh, today's going to be awesome, and I know my audience is going to get a ton of value from Darren and his take on the restaurant business. So, Darren, I know you're getting ready for a whole bunch of presentations in New York. You're going to be talking to people about a whole bunch of things. What's coming up for you? Well, thanks for having me, Jamie. It's a, it's a pleasure, and I'm not quite sure why we haven't done this before. We seem to talk a lot about what's going on in the industry, but thank you for having me on today. The show season is about to kick off. We've got the New York International Food Service Show next weekend, March 4, 5, and 6, I believe. I've got three different presentations. And typically, whenever I start the beginning of a year, because I do give a lot of presentations, my focus is usually what are the top hot topics in the industry? Where's the challenges? Where's the, the issues? And what I see this year is uh, three different areas. It's leadership and it's team building. I've got a, a brand new topic called uh, Nine Dysfunctions of a Restaurant Team. And a brand new topic also for me is the business of the restaurant business. There seems to be a real large movement right now on exit strategies and how do I get out of the business or this industry looks wonderful and I would love to jump into ownership. So there seems to be a lot of buying and selling going on, which leads to a large list of criteria if you're starting to think those lines. And the leadership piece is one that I get very excited about. I think that the one key point, every single restaurant that I walk into that is either doing fantastic or doing incredibly poor, I point directly to the leadership team. And when a group of managers is together on the same page, working it every single day, fantastic communication, and they respect each other and they trust each other, that's when the team looks back at the leaders and says, I want to work for you. This is a pretty cool place. And it's just a matter of leaders understanding what the qualities their staff look for in the leadership. And when people want to be there, they do the extras. If they don't want to be there, they simply punch the time clock and they're watching the clock until they get out. And it just becomes all about what money they make instead of enjoying the place that they work at. So those are the, the topics coming up. Uh, the Las Vegas Pizza Expo is right behind that. And it's going to be a great show season with uh, some great new topics. Yeah, man, I just uh, I wrote down a few of those things, and I want to come back to a lot of that because you have a lot of really cool stuff to get into there that people would would want to learn more about. So I hope to dig some of that out of you, you today. But yeah, Darren Darren uh, travels all over the country, speaks uh, speaks at a lot of events. Um, but uh, I'd be remiss in not mentioning your your company off the, off the top of the bat. Tell me a little bit about Service with Style, what you guys do, uh, and then we'll get into some of these other topics. I think I think we'll get into a lot here today. Well, absolutely. It's Service for Style Hospitality Group, and this coming April, we will have been in business now for 20 years, and we break into three different segments. We do a lot of secret shopping because I'm a big proponent of the guest perspective and how those reports help guide the type of service that every other guest in the restaurant can receive. 
We are a coaching service to where we are helping restaurants in any shape or form, whether you need a financial program or you need help planning out your marketing strategies or you're looking for new locations or you're looking to develop young managers or you just want some onboarding systems. And then we're also a training company, so we can come in and actively work with your entire team, everyone from the dishwashers and busboys and hostesses and bartenders and managers and owners, and we've got great training programs for each and every one. So we are all restaurants every day. Yeah, I know. I love it. Uh, Darren gets a lot of insights from his clients and, and from his speaking, and so uh, hopefully he's going to get into some of that today. Hey, you know what I think would be fun? The first thing, the thing that grabbed my attention the most was this word dysfunction, nine dysfunctions of a team, and you just you just talked about team training. Uh, let's pull out one or two of those dysfunctions without getting in pulling out your whole presentation, but but what's what's one of those things that you kind of lead off with that is, if if it's happening in your restaurant, it's really having a negative impact? What do you think? There's several of them that go very deep, but uh, a couple of the dysfunctions, one major one I see is the hiring and onboarding system, that the way that you're bringing in new team members is not professional, is very haphazard, and the new employee is now starting to judge their employer. Do I really want to work here? They haven't even had me fill out paperwork yet, and he's been tracking my hours by hand over the last couple of days. Am I even getting paid? So the onboarding system really sets up how you start to work as a team. And I guess the, the biggest dysfunction that I see a lot is trust between managers. When I truly trust somebody and I feel like we're working on the same goals, then we can really dive deep and get to things that drastically change the success of the restaurant. And what I mean by that is, let's say we're sitting in a manager meeting. It's our weekly Wednesday 2 o'clock meeting, and there's five of us sitting around the table. And I genuinely don't trust anybody else or a, a few of the members. And what I will do is I don't want to put myself out there because now I feel that this relationship isn't strong enough, so other people are going to just start to judge my opinions or my suggestions. So rather than put myself out there and be judged by my coworkers, I stay quiet. And when managers stay quiet during a meeting, then we don't get to the really good things. And if I don't trust the people that are sitting around the table, I don't have the feeling that I can try to talk about different things that I was very passionate about. And I hold back and I hold back. Where I find really great things coming out of meetings is when there's passion and there's a little bit of emotion. And, of course, you don't want arguments at a staff meeting, but you do want that passion. You want someone to truly disagree with a coupon idea that was put on the table. And if they truly disagree then I feel like they're putting themselves out there. And the only way they can do that is if everybody around the table trusts each other. So that, that's a, a dysfunction that I can take deeper and deeper, but if the management team can't trust everybody sitting around, the good things don't hit the table, and then the accountability also is left behind, where I want accountability 
from the manager's meeting, not just from the general manager. I want to have a actionable list given to me that I have these five things to take care of this week because that's what the team agreed with. And when I come back to next week's meeting, my team members are expecting all these items to be done and I'm held accountable by this team. And when we buy into one system, that's when it gets really good. Yeah, I have a couple of questions there, and, and I do. I want to go back to the onboarding thing after this because I have a question there. But you talk about trust process, and and yeah, you can imagine the person that's kind of being shy, holding back, doesn't want to put themselves out there as being a negative impact for the business because you're not getting to the good stuff. You're not getting to the gold, right? And you that you got to by opening up in the ways you talked about. What would you say is is maybe one or, or two ways to key ways to build that trust that it can get going? What do you think? From regular communications is where it starts. When I find that as a team, there are three priorities put on the table that the entire management team is focused on. And where it starts is I have my priorities, you have your priorities, and our other three managers have their priorities. And we all feel like we're working on what is truly important and helping the business. But we're all on different pages. So when you've got a really good, strong owner or general manager that can lead this meeting, and around the table, we talk about what our top priorities are. I just want three on the table. And let's say that that becomes a financial system, a, a new event coming up for St. Patrick's Day, and a new menu. Okay, perfect. Well, let's talk about the new menu. And when we can all jump in and say, yes, we absolutely need a new menu, and we can divide up the actionable steps, then we're working on this together as a project. And when people start to work together for the betterment of the business on the priorities that were set by everybody on the management team, that's when you start to trust people sitting across from you because you're working together on a simple project. But the general manager and the owner also has to identify potential trust issues. If they have a few managers that are not on the same page, they, they need to sit down and have some one-on-one -on -one conversations and possibly little team-building exercises. You've got to work together on that strong management team because that's the key. That's the absolute key to every well-run restaurant is a strong management team. I'm going to guess that, you know, the fact that you, you know, you mentioned, you know, what are the key priorities that if I went into 100 restaurants right now and I asked that question of the of the general manager, what are your three key priorities this month? You know, a, a large percentage of the, of of those uh responses would be like uh blah 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 blah, you know, without without being very defined and then that's going to kind of point to why there might be issues. Uh, so I would encourage folks uh, to take Darren's advice there and really, really pinpoint what the key things you're working on this month and, let, and make sure your, your team knows us or everybody is pointing towards the same direction. I think that, that's good advice, Darren. And let me go back to the onboarding stuff. Um, I was just listening to something this morning that, that spiked an interest for me, and I, I didn't finish it, so I don't have the full information. But it, it, started, it was talking about personality assessments and using tools like that when you're, when you're hiring people to get an idea of who they are because, right, people can fool you, and especially in the restaurant business where you're, sometimes you're looking to hire a body kind of quickly, and they have a pulse, and they look good, so let me put them out there and take a shot at it, which is completely the wrong thing to do, and, and, I'm, and I'll let you speak to that because you, you work with this kind of day in, day out. So, so two things there. You know, what are some tips for bringing on the right people? Have you seen people use assessments well as part of that tool? Uh, share some tips there. 
So you mean you have black shoes and you can start tomorrow? You're hired. <laughs> exactly. That's what happens because yeah. the industry is struggling. And what I see from the upcoming generation is not a strong interest in hospitality. My uh, daughter is part of a, a youth group, and about three or four months ago, I had four or five of her friends at different times ask me how they get a job, where should they go, can I take a look at their resume? So I turned to my daughter and I said, do you mind if I speak to the entire group? And there's about 35, uh, maybe 32 of them. And so I came in and chatted with the group for about an hour, talking about careers and how they get started and career paths and resumes and what we look for. And then I started to ask some hospitality questions, being the industry that I'm very passionate about. And out of, I, I think that there was 29 of them in the room, so not everybody showed up. And when I asked the question, who now currently has a job? Well, six of them had a job, and they're 15, 16, 17-year-olds. And only two of them had a job in a restaurant. So then I was asking, what industries are you interested in, whether it was legal or dental or um, veterinarian? And, and when I asked, who's interested in hospitality as a career, I had two people in the entire room raise their hands. And when I asked who would be trying to get a job in a restaurant, 22 of them raised their hands. So basically, we've got this generation that looks at us as a place where they can make money. And it's a simple job. It's flexible. They can pick their own schedule sometimes, and they don't need a big background to get a restaurant job. So there's not a big push as a career coming into it. So the labor market is, it's very small, absolutely. And with the national unemployment being as low as it is, a lot of my members and a lot of restaurants that I know are absolutely struggling finding people. So the onboarding system becomes incredibly crucial because managers do not have enough time to spend interviewing and recruiting and training and just to have two or three weeks later the employee comes up and says, sorry, today's going to be my last day. I found another job. So we've got to be looking for these people that genuinely want to be there. Anytime I interview, typically I'm, I'm looking for three different things. I'm trying to interview for skills, for knowledge, and for character. And a good structured interview system can find out about their skills and their knowledge. I can base some really good, strong questions to dive a little bit deeper. Now, the character, that's tough. And that's where these personality traits typically come in. Now, I work with a, a great company that does some uh, personality traits, and they're incredibly helpful. What I like to use them for is after that first interview. So I want to get to the, the serious candidates, and then I want them to spend 10 or 15 minutes on a personality trait test, and I'm trying to search for the right person. My philosophy has always been hire slow and fire fast. When somebody's not working out in my business, we, we've got to move on very quickly, but I take a lot of time to choose the right person. And this afternoon, I'm actually doing uh, some interviewing myself, and we have now looked at probably 33, maybe 34 candidates for one position. And yes, that's a lot of time and a lot of effort, but I'm trying to find the right person. 
the onboarding system now says that as an, uh, the employer, the, the owner of the restaurant, I've got to make it right for the employees. When it's right for the employees, they want to be there. They buy into everything that you're doing and they make it part of this team. Typically with the management group, and, and this is a, a, real, a real key to me, the success of a, a good, strong restaurant. To me, 85% of the stress and problems that come into the restaurants are done so through the staff. I can't work today. I forgot to do that. Sorry, I didn't clean that. My bad. And all their challenges. Then you get this great management team, and all they're doing is solving the staff's problems. 85% of the stress that comes into it is through the employees. So their time and their focus is based on solving the staff's problems. There's four major areas that you've got to have a strong management team in. And if all four areas, you've got someone on your team, not any one individual, but someone has the strength, then you're off to the races with a great restaurant. And those four areas, it's operations. Somebody's got a hot food hot and cold food cold and ticket times and cleanliness and shaking hands and and kissing babies and socializing and just making everybody feel welcome. So you've got to have a strong operator. You've got to have somebody strong in finances, understanding the P&L, knowing what their prime cost is, talking with the vendors to get the numbers down, knowing recipe costing cards and, and budgets and purchase allotments. The third piece is marketing. Somebody's got to have that creative side of their, their brain that says St. Patrick's Day is coming up. How can we get 495 people in here to eat our corned beef and cabbage? And we're a Mexican restaurant. Somehow, some way, you figure out how to get your message out that says, wow, I really want to go there. And the last area is leadership of the staff. And when that piece is all tied in together, you're working at a real high level. But the onboarding system is key. If you don't have the right people, all your management team is going to do is try to solve problems day after day after day. When you understand how to work with your staff, and it's got to be right for them, then it pulls together and you're running a great restaurant at that point. Yeah, Darren, I want to, I want to go back to your mantra there of, of hire slow and, and fire fast. And I know Darren does this. He, he eats his own medicine because we talked a couple of weeks back about a process he went through and bringing a new person on, on his team. And absolutely he went through an exhaustive process. Uh, to find that right person, and it's and it's such a key, it's a, such a key thing. And where where Darren started at was, yeah, black shoes, you know, get started tomorrow. And um, I think restaurants all over the all the country are guilty of that that process. And it's such an important piece. And 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 I can echo this 100% because I just did a survey of our readers what last week or, or a week and a half ago. Said said what is your biggest challenge today? Just just send me a quick email. And not 80 to 90% of the emails were very kind of short and succinct. Labor, labor, labor cost, getting people, finding people, labor, labor challenges, the people, wages. It's like that is the number one consideration for everybody right now. And I think part of the answer starts to go to having a culture that once you build it, it grows on itself. And now you're getting the right people and attracting the right people and not turning over the people. So if you don't get... Uh, 
nervous and you don't and you have a little patience and you don't hire the wrong people, you can start to do what what Darren's talking about, bring the right people on in the right way. And and then you have a team that now is engaged and you have all those pieces. So it is part of a process and you have to get it started because you're going to find yourself at the at the bottom of the barrel p- picking out the, whatever's left over. So what do you think? Do you echo those thoughts? It sounded, sounded early on that you are hearing that feedback too. People uh, are de- identifying that as their biggest challenge. Uh, what do you think? With the labor cost, typically. Yeah, the labor the cost and, and finding. Mm-hmm. Right. So typically management goes to, well, I've got to make my cuts. I've got to make my cuts. Look, I cut everybody. My labor cost must be wonderful. Here's what labor really is. There's X amount of tasks to do every single week in your restaurant. How are you going to get them done in a productive manner? It's the productivity of the staff. I did a survey about a year and a half ago, and what we found was from your average employee from an eight-hour shift they were productive for about three and a half hours. And the first 15 minutes, they were doing nothing. They would clock in, they would socialize with their friends, they would check their schedule, they would put away their belongings, they would go to the bathroom, they would fix their hair, they would get themselves a drink, and they have been doing nothing for the first 15 minutes. Productivity is everything. The higher, slow, fire, fast. Here's my favorite tool for understanding where all the employees are. At your management meeting every single week, you've got to have a management meeting. It's got to be led by one person, and you go over four areas every single time, the same four areas I talked about, operations, financials, marketing, and staff. When you get to the staff, typically management is saying, oh, we talk about the staff all the time. Those are simple little impromptu conversations. Jennifer was late yesterday. Billy didn't show up for work. Brenda is not doing her job behind the bar. It's the actionable step that you're looking for. And here's what I do during a manager meeting. Okay, everyone, we're now talking about the staff. From a negative perspective, which staff do we need to talk about? I need just names, not if they're late and don't have the right attitude right now. Just give me names. And you take out a piece of paper and you write down three, four, five names. Then you circle back to the first one. What's going on with Jennifer? And you give a two-minute roundabout and every manager can now chime in with what has been taking place with Jennifer. And what you're trying to do is assign Jennifer a number. One, two, three, four, or five. One means that you're going to let it go. Everybody now... from the management team understands, keep an eye on Jennifer, we might have some potential issues. A two means that you're going to give a verbal warning. Three is a written warning, four is a suspension, and five is a termination. And once you have this discussion, then you come up with a consensus from the group. Yes, that's a verbal warning. Perfect. So you assign Jennifer a two. And now what you're going to do is assign one of your managers to follow up. So it's going to be Jennifer to Jamie. So Jamie knows that the next time he's working with Jennifer, that you're going to have a verbal conversation. Of course, you grab another manager with you. You're always having two people talk. And you go right through the list. Now, what you also have to do is talk about the couple employees that are doing it right, those superstars and how you develop them a little bit more and make sure that they're enjoying their job as much as you're enjoying having them there. 
but this simple little exercise now helps you get consistent because, well, Bobby was late five times. Well, didn't we give a written warning to Kimberly three weeks ago for the same thing? And your staff now starts to see that it's the management team that is managing them. It's not any one individual. When you get into written warnings, obviously we have the employees sign them. When you get into a suspension, I don't use a suspension very often. If I suspend a dishwasher that's been with me for three or four weeks, I might as well just have terminated him because typically he's not coming back. But if you've got a long-standing employee that for a long time was doing great and you just don't understand what he or she has been doing recently, then maybe a suspension, a two, three, or a four-day suspension can really kick them in the butt and wake them up a little bit. Now, five is a termination. And sometimes that needs to be talked through a little bit deeper than just we're not happy with them, we're going to move on. Because you're trying to control your unemployment rates and you're, you're trying to be a, a, a good, responsible employer. So there are steps. So if, for example, we say that Jennifer is now a five and we're going to move on from her, then we have a, a one or two minute conversation about how that takes place. Do we have any right, written warnings? Do we have any notes in the file? Have we talked to her previous? Have we trained her and given her all the tools so that they understand what the expectations are? So it's a, a quick little conversation with the managers. Everybody sits around the table, identify the names of the people you need to talk to, identify what number action, and then who is going to fulfill the action. And that's how we lead our man, how the managers lead the employees. Yeah, Darren, good stuff there. And uh, it, it is a process and it needs to be taking with that level of um, uh, serious, uh, for lack of a better word, the way you just walk through it, um, thinking about your people, uh, how to develop them, when to call out corrective action, uh, thinking about them, especially thinking about the superstars, right, making sure that they're uh, engaged and growing and happy. Uh, the last thing you want is a great person, but you're not giving them the support they want, and so they they start to feel taken advantage of, and all of a sudden they're gone, and, you, and you've lost an A player, which you definitely don't want. But, yeah, you have to be careful with how you let go of folks as well for a lot of reasons. So a lot of good stuff there, and, and, and we could we could definitely start talking about that stuff for a whole day and a half, and, and, uh, and Darren does get well, and if I can also just throw in one last point about losing the good employees, and that's exactly what happens. If you're a good employee and you naturally hold yourself to a higher standard and you do everything that you possibly can because you enjoy where you work and you want to do a good job. So on Tuesday, you're going to walk in and you're going to look at the, the walk-in cooler and it's going to be trashed. And Oh, no big deal. You're going to spend a few minutes and you're going to condense the dressings. You're going to break down some boxes. You're going to sweep the floor. You're going to wrap and date and label the, the apple pie. And you're going to walk out and you're going to quietly pat yourself on the back because you did what was needed. On Thursday, you're going to walk back in and the cooler's trashed again. So you're going to break down the boxes, you're going to condense the dressing, you're going to wrap and label and date the apple pie, and you're going to sweep the floor, and you're going to quietly say, good job. Then on Saturday, you're going to open up the cooler, and you're going to walk in, and it's trashed again. Hell no, I'm not doing that again. And you now bring yourself down to a level of who you're working with. So you take your stars and you show them that they don't need to care because nobody else is doing this. If that goes on and on, those stars absolutely start looking for another job. 
and that other job is usually very easy for them to find, and now you're left with the employees that are not productive and, and not doing their job. So the management team has to be talking about the staff. They've got to be identifying who's doing it right, and you have to be working on the poor employees. If somebody's name comes up at a manager meeting, there's only two options. Either they move up or they move out. I do not have room for employees that do not care and do not want to be there. And that's how you keep your superstars is you build a really strong team. And any place that I've worked in my restaurant career, those two, three, four really special restaurants have always been because I was surrounded by superstars and they pulled the best out of me and I enjoyed it. And we did a lot of work and it took all the aggravations out of it. And there's obviously not all because there's a, a lot of things that pop up in the restaurants, but when you want to be there and you care about your coworkers and you don't mind doing the extra things, that's when it makes it easier. And that's how you cut labor. When people are doing all the extra jobs all the time, that's when you can run your shift with six people instead of seven or eight. Yeah, Darren, good stuff there, man. I love that. Move up or move out, and and absolutely, it is that extra piece when you when people are contributing above and beyond. Um, that the restaurant is getting that amount of productivity from less people is all of a sudden where not everybody's happier. They're they're moving, they're chugging along, and there's none of that distraction of you know t Timmy's not carrying his weight and everybody's moving as one is absolutely the place that you want to get to. And so go through that process of moving your people up or moving them out and getting people that are just, just, just on board with your team and your mission and your culture and so forth. And I want to jump to secret shopping, uh, Darren, because you are awesome at this. It's what you guys do, um, you know, day in and day out. And I'm fascinated by it. So I want to ask some questions that kind of get into – um, how you know I, I, you you do some of it yourself, uh, but all but how your team does it. Like when you go into a restaurant, or I know you work with other other businesses um, as well in the hospitality industry. But what what is going through your mind? I always think I've eaten with Darren, and I'm like I'm, I always think what is Darren thinking about as a as a mystery shopping expert and person who runs a business when he sits down in a restaurant. What are the little things that you look at? What are the details you ask your your shoppers to look for? Walk me through that because I find that stuff to be super interesting. The guest perspective drives so much. So I was flying yesterday and I stopped in for a, a quick meal at an airport Mexican restaurant and I waited nine minutes standing out front waiting for a table. And I was the only one standing there. I was flying by myself. So finally I said, enough's enough. And I went and sat down at a table myself. And there was 11 tables open in the area. So the host finally appears and comes over and says, this section is closed. I have to move you. That was his greeting. This section's closed. I have to move you. So instantly, I get this feeling of, he doesn't want me here. So I politely move over and I sit down and my server comes up and his greeting was, I have to tell you our ticket times are 35 to 40 minutes right now. Would you still like to order? And obviously being in an airport, it's a little bit different than a restaurant. And my feeling through the entire meal was, let me just get a fast bite and get out of here. Nobody wants me here. So understanding that piece is massive. So I'm dealing with a host and a server. I paid my bill. Everything would have seemed fine because I didn't say a word to anybody. Management needs to know that information. We're the extra set of eyes. 
we time everything, we look at all the details, we, we see it through the guest perspective. Now when we complete this really great detailed report that goes back to the, the owner or the manager, now it's a tool for them to improve. We've got a ton of clients that absolutely just love the positive feedback. And they use it as a, a team builder, a, a great job, a, a that a boy. And some of them put their employees in for drawings or there's bonuses. And they really love the positives. When I can get a secret shopping report as a restaurant owner and I, I look at it, yes, I want to see what the score basis is and I want to see how well we did. But then I start drilling down question by question by question by question. And this is an area that you just can't get this type of information anywhere else. Social media, Yelp and Google and, and TripAdvisor, yes, they're posting. But that can be detrimental to a business. I want to stop anything negative before it even happens. I love the positive posts on social media, but the fact is that most of them are not. So people want an avenue to complain if they don't know. So as a secret shopping program, we want to catch that before any guest sees it. So sitting down with an employee and saying, wow, fantastic, this is exactly how we like our greetings, please keep that up. And next question, maybe you didn't quite understand what our policy is on this, so let's review it so that you're up to speed and I can now train and, and groom the employee. And then this question over here, this is what we never want to see happen again. So let's continue to work on that. But it becomes a tool behind the scenes that shares with the management team what their perspective of the guest is. Now what I see is a direct correlation of the secret shopping reports to how sales go. So how I look at it is guests really want to have places that they call their own, that they, they want this inner circle of restaurants that they know and they trust and they, they really like and they visit regularly. Well, if you get a score, and I'm relating this to secret shopping scores, but if you get a score of a visit that is a 90% and above, it's a great score. Now, what I'm going to do is I might talk positively about you and I'm probably going to increase my frequency. So if I was dining with you once a month, I'm usually going to go to once every three weeks, once every two weeks. I, I now trust you. Now, if you can share with me that same 90% and above three visits in a row, now we've got something because I genuinely understand what I'm getting every single time I come in. Before I even think about spending my $50 with you, I, I know what type of experience. And I trust you, and that's where we become regulars and we, we come back more and more. So you want the 90% three times or more. Now the 89, 74% to 89, everything was, was okay. You, you've met my expectations, and I will continue to dine with you on this steady pace once a month. You'll see me in... March and April and May. The 60 to 74%, something happened. Something wasn't quite there. Now, I'm not ready to kick you to the curb yet, but I'm not going to come back for probably three to five months. And usually the reason why I come back 
is because of a particular dish that I really like or price or convenience. You're just you're the closest restaurant to my house and I didn't have enough time to go anywhere else, so yeah, I guess we'll go there. Now the 50 to 59% something is drastically off. I'm not a confrontational person, so why would I call a manager over like my visit to this airport Mexican place yesterday? Why would I call a manager over? I simply pay my check, I close the book, and I never ever return. Then the old adages that below the 50% we're now talking. Nine out of 10 unhappy guests do not complain to management, but however, we tell an average of nine friends about a crappy experience. It's because you gave me a story. You give me content. That's why we like posting on social media and talking to our friends is because it's a fun, interesting story. So you've got to be thinking about what type of experience happens every single time. I don't want to waste my money every single week on newspaper ads and Facebook postings and, and advertising everywhere. I want to keep the clients that I have, my guests, incredibly happy and I want to build their frequency more and more and more. And that's how you become a successful restaurant. So you're shooting for that 90% and above three times in a row. Now I trust you. Darren, I took a lot of notes right there. And um, one of the things that I thought was interesting when he first started talking, he, he, he does this, right? He's like nine minutes for this, 11, 11 tables for that. Those, those are the sort of things that I, that I know goes through his head and that, that his, that his, um, you know, his, for, his uh, firm and his reports track. And what I, what I, two things that I liked about what you said is obviously the, the detail of it is, is going to be a lot more so than, uh, than Sarah going on to Yelp. She's just kind of tell her story from her perspective. It's not going to cover all the other things. Um, but as, but as it related to social media, I really like this and I wrote it down as, you know, stop the negative before it happens. It was, was absolutely kind of the biggest call out there is folks get that extra set of eyes that turn into a, to a to potential, you know, nightmare scenario that could make it out to all those sites you talked about. They get tons of traffic, Yelp, TripAdvisor, and Google, and, and so forth. And and people do want to complain about stuff. But what happens if you give them nothing to complain about? Um, then you're in, then you're in good shape uh, because restaurants, God, they get so nervous when they pull up their Yelp score and they see people and they get so emotional about it, and it's a big deal. And then the other part of the stuff that you talked about, which is really interesting, how you find those scores translate into into sales success. And that was interesting to talk about, you know, the 90, they're increasing their visit. The other person is maintaining. The other person is not rushing back. And then now you start to get into the people that are are going to hurt you um, word of mouth wise, both uh, in person and otherwise. So so really interesting stuff there. What 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 is some other uh, keys that a person that works for you that's doing a shop, what are some of the little things they look for that restaurateurs may, might not be aware of that are big call outs? What do you think? Well, I think one of the keys to what we do in hospitality is we completely customize the reports. So every single one of our clients has a different style report. And earlier this morning, I was reviewing a, a new client setup with uh, my team. And it's just a, a report that we were commenting. We, we've never seen questions like this because they've got so many specific little programs that they want their staff addressing or their script on when they walk up to the table and there's certain touch points on their selling plan and, and they've just got a, a different model. So we build the report from the restaurant's training materials and from what they're looking for from the staff and for 
everything that they want to know. So first it's a, it's a real customized report. And then our shoppers, our, our training program is fantastic on how we personally onboard our new shoppers and, and how they elevate in our system with us. So they're getting better and better and better. It comes down to the details. The questions are simple to answer, but it's the extra details. So, Jamie, if you and I are sitting having lunch and everything's absolutely fantastic with us, but we can hear and see right behind us that they've been waiting for 35 minutes because they overcooked this burger and they had to send it back. And we're now quietly listening to the conversation from the husband and wife sitting behind us about, yeah, this is the third time that it's happened here and why do we bother coming back? And I just wanted a simple burger and they can't even cook it. So we're getting extra insight everywhere, but basically how we train our shoppers is from the time that they pull into your parking lot until they, they leave, everything is observed. So we wanna see how many visits are completed, table visits by a manager. We wanna see how quick our server is greeting every one of their tables. We wanna see how they're suggestively selling an item to us. And these are the observations and the simple little details that the management struggles getting. And I know I've had a lot of superstar employees that I thought were superstars because they were fantastic with the team and they were doing all their side work and they were, they were super clean and they would do anything I asked. But when they went to the table, they were miserable. They just didn't know how to open up and connect with people. So maybe I've got that person in the wrong spot or I didn't give them enough training and the guest feels every piece of this to where you think you've got a great employee doing everything you want because you assume that they're having these wonderful conversations. And when somebody greets me in a poor manner, this is me personally, I start to shut down and it's no longer about the restaurant. It's now about the person that I'm dining with when somebody greets me in an open, positive, wonderful manner and they're sincere and they're genuine and they've got a great smile on their face, now it becomes getting to know somebody and joking around with them. In that first 15 seconds, I can tell what type of experience we're gonna have almost every single time. And that first 15 seconds goes a long way. Typically what I train is don't talk about the restaurant in the first 15 seconds. Talk to me as a human. Comment about the shirt that I'm wearing or ask me what we did earlier today or what type of uh, sports I like. Something that connects with me just for two, three, four questions. Now we made a connection. And now as a guest, I completely trust you as the server and I feel like you're gonna give me a great experience. When something goes wrong halfway through the meal, ticket time's a little bit long, I got the wrong side, that's okay. My server's still going to take good care of me. But if you start it off incorrectly and miserable, just like yesterday, you weren't changing my outlook on that restaurant at all yesterday based on how it started. And that first 15 seconds is crucial. And that's where the shopping reports come in and allow the management to see what type of interactions are really taking place at the tables. 
yeah, there's no way they could have saved that uh, that airport experience there. They, that guy just that guy just blew it. And 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 it's happening at restaurants all over the country. And it happens to me when we go out. I I, I didn't think about it, but you're absolutely right. This that initial 15 seconds. It makes a difference. The way they start that interaction, you absolutely are right. You can tell if this is going to be good or not. You know right away you could, this person's bringing this sort of energy and this sort of connection, and it makes a difference. And you're right. You give them the leeway when things aren't working out, when it starts when it starts well. And conversely, when it starts poorly, and then all of a sudden, oh, man, it's taking too long, and this sucks, and, and everything else. And um absolutely makes a difference. What I really love there is those extra details. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go the next time I eat. I'm going to really try to take some notes in, 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 my, in my head, those really specific things that Darren mentioned and I encourage operators to do the same thing in your restaurant when you, and elsewhere think how someone would think if they were writing a report I mean hopefully using Darren or somebody like Darren in your business because I think you can absolutely see why that would make sense but if not I mean just yourself do it yourself observe all those details that your customers are seeing you've got to understand that it doesn't take much for them to move their wallet somewhere else there's so many places to go I can choose so many places and you know so give me a reason to come back to you um, you know your people your atmosphere all that stuff it's such a big deal so um, good stuff there, Darren. I want, I want to talk about that last piece you talked about in your business is, is coaching. And this, again, I find fascinating. You know, I know you work with, with operators all over, all over the country and, and specifically also in your, in your area where, where you can get hands on with them and, and see the challenges much like, uh, the TV shows do, right? You go in and you, you diagnose the challenges and you get in and you get dirty and, and you, and you help fix them. Tell me about the coaching process. What, what do you kind of enjoy most about that? Is it, uh, solving those problems. I mean, what it's it's it can be it can be a very challenging space. Tell me about that aspect. It's a part that I genuinely love, and because a lot of the challenges are consistent throughout what I see, and a lot of the challenges are based on specific weaknesses from the management team. If you go back to those four areas that I talked about before, operations, financials, marketing, and staff leadership, I've been in this business since I was 13, almost 35 years now, and I think I'm a pretty darn good GM, and I love to run a great shift, and I'm a good restaurant owner, but I do not have the highest level of all four of these areas to be a great restaurant. Typically, the financials and the marketing are two complete different sides of your mind and, and some are much more financial based or some are more creative based. If you've got managers that have been in the, the chain industry, uh, chain restaurants, uh, typically there's things that they don't have to deal with on a regular basis, in-depth financials. Usually they're not dealing with any marketing. So a lot of times they're good operators and, and good leaders. But when you've got all four of these pieces clicking together, that's when it becomes special. So what we're trying to do is identify the strengths of everybody and build this management team that understands how to get it done. Yeah, Darren, absolutely, man. The the, the fact that I, there's no – well, you're a superstar. If you can do all four of those things, you you really are kicking butt. But a lot of people need – uh, partners and just another piece of, of the business that can that can handle those other things. They're just they're just different mindsets. They're different people, and uh, hopefully you're not trying to do everything yourself because you, that's the, the those usually the situations that don't work out well. 
uh, single owner trying to solve every problem themselves is, is kind of setting yourself up for failure. So when you go in, you diagnose the problem, you look at the team, you go through this process. There's, there's a lot of old school people that are like, I don't want to change anything. It's broken. What do you, what do you see when you, when you are suggesting changes to their business? Are, are people open? How do you break through? Is, is it a reality of, hey, this has to happen or else it's going to fail? Tell me about some of that. Well, and I guess the first piece is the organization chart. And it doesn't seem to be a big deal. We're a small restaurant. What do we need an organization chart for? Uh, Jimmy, he's kind of our kitchen manager. And, and Sarah, yeah, she does all of our ordering. That starts confusion from the leadership team. So the first piece that I look at when we walk into any uh, coaching client or one of our members is to clearly identify the organization chart. You need a general manager. You need someone running your front of the house. You need, uh, whether it's an executive chef or a kitchen manager, and typically they may need a little bit of support. So we define that management team first. Then usually we go to the communication. How is this management team going to get on the same page? When are you meeting? How often are you meeting? Who's leading that meeting? What type of areas are you going to be discussing? So we get that management team solid. Then we go to responsibilities. And I want to make sure that every single manager understands what their responsibilities are, not just what their position is, but what their areas that they oversee are. So on a responsibilities list for me, I know who's doing the food ordering, who's doing the liquor ordering, who's doing the inventory, who takes care of the cleaning chemicals, who contacts the soda company when the machine is down, who oversees the light bulbs, who oversees the plants, who does the P&L statement, the hiring, the scheduling, the payroll. Every single piece identified on one page so that the managers know what they're taking care of. And once that piece is connected, now you start to get uh, a little bit of a stronger management team, and it does take several meetings to start to get all of this ironed out. Then you go to systems. How are we going to make sure that we get all of the systems? And usually the first one is the employee manual. You've got to have a really good solid employee manual if you're going to be able to lead your staff or have them understand what you expect of them. Then we look at checklists and we look at uh, prep sheets and we look at every single system that the management team feels that we need in place to run a good solid restaurant then that's usually when we start dividing up work. Johnny's going to do the checklists, and Tony's going to do the responsibilities, and Sarah's going to do the employee manual. And for a couple of weeks, we're now working on all the systems that we've agreed need to be in place. Once we get all the checklists and everything ready, and I love clipboards, that's the best systems I see in restaurants, then we plan a staff meeting. So now once we get the systems defined, we've got to roll this communication out to the entire staff. You pull them in and you let them know, here's our new employee manual and here's our smoking policy and this is what we do with gum chewing and there's no swearing in the building. Whatever your policies are, clearly define them to your staff. And then from there with our coaching clients, there's usually about five or six different areas that we don't know which one next is going to be the priority. Sometimes it's the financial system to where their cash flow just isn't there or they don't understand what their prime cost is and they never counted inventory. So we may put in a full 
financial program. The next piece could be the staff onboarding, whether it's the training systems and the employee paperwork and employee files and everything to do with getting the staff in a really good place. Next area might be marketing, that they feel that their business is running pretty well, but they just don't quite have enough business coming in the door. So if their P&L is in line, then we can move to marketing. So the coaching piece is different every single meeting. I've got uh, some members that do $250,000 a year in sales and some for individual locations do $13 million. And we've got some two and three location places that are looking for location number four, five, and six. And we've got some that are just trying to plan their exit strategy that they are absolutely done and this business has beat them up left and right and all they can think about is selling and and retiring. So we walk them through a usually a six to eight month strategy to get ready to sell. And some are looking at franchising. Um, some need a brand new menu and new menus are not simple. Uh, the design and picking out the products is, but we'll go through and create the recipe costing cards and we'll send someone in and take pictures of the food and we'll design the entire menu and walk through all the steps. So our coaching service is basically anything restaurants were there to help guide and support. Yeah, I can tell, just listening to you talk, Darren, I can tell you you love that process of digging into their business, um, finding all those spots and really putting putting the, the ducks in a row for business. And uh, a lot of operations don't function like this. They function more um, haphazardly. And, and really, you can't do that. There's there's no way to succeed in today's uh, marketplace where, where you're doing that. You have to have uh, really pretty much the things that Darren just kind of laid out. I mean, the manuals, the checklist, uh, the systems, the people on board, the responsibilities. I mean, it's laid out really well. And, and you think about you think about the whole process and it, um, everything has to go right. But the last piece of that is is this idea of uh, of coaching, right? People are, are a little resistant to getting outside help, and and, and don't be resistant because when you think of, when you think about uh, the best athletes. Uh, LeBron, Tom Brady, these people work with coaches. They don't, just because they're great, they don't do it by themselves. They have people that are pushing them and prodding them and finding their weaknesses. And so they absolutely uh, use coaches, celebrities, um, so forth, um, uh, CEOs. They have life coaches. I mean, these people use other people to put them uh, through the ringer and challenge them and push them to succeed. And I, I know Taryn happens to love do it. So, so if you find yourself in that situation, you know, reach out to him. But um, they're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, we talked about the coaching aspect. Uh, which was great, um, the leadership, the team training, and secret shopping. So you guys are hitting it all, all cylinders. Um, you're, you're out there speaking, and uh, Darren's crazy. I, I talked to Darren. I don't know how he puts it all together. He's, he is amazing, and he keeps, keeps, it, all, keeps it all running. So uh, hit, hit us again with where you're going to be, what you guys do, your websites. Uh, leave me with some good info, Darren. Well, sure. Well, uh, thank you for the kind words. And, yeah, we really do – enjoy what we do. We're based out of uh, Brandon, Florida, just outside of Tampa, and our membership program is through the state of Florida because we like to be in front of you. We have a lot of coaching clients that we deal with throughout the country, and we've got a, a call it the restaurant retreat. It's a, it's a three-day crash course to where we come in and putting your entire business through the ringer in three days. And we're going to hit every single piece from training your staff, 
in-person uh, management structure, ownership meetings, business reviews, menu reviews, and take a, a look at the entire gamut. Our website address is servicewithstyle.com, and we've got uh, seminars and events. And this year, we're, we're probably about 60% of them are posted already. We're looking at locking in uh, several other dates that we're just finalizing. The New York show is coming up, like I had mentioned earlier, this next weekend, March 4, 5, and 6. And the Las Vegas show, um, I'll be in Chicago, which is uh, the largest trade show in May at uh, McCormick Place in Chicago. And you can reach us anytime. Uh, typically, I, if you want to just chat and see if we can help your business in any way, we can schedule a, a one-hour free coaching session, basically, and just dive into some of the challenges that you're having. And because we are at all the trade shows and we're probably in 80 to 90 restaurants every single month inside their building, actively helping them get better, we seem to have our pulse on what's going on in the industry and can help you in any way. The office number, if you like, is 813-661-1149. Uh, my name is Darren Dennington, and I would love to help you out any way that I can. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Darren, you nailed it. Uh, good summary there. Definitely uh, start with the website. It's a great, great resource for folks, and, 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 and uh, people still use phone numbers. I like that. Throw in the phone number in there. Uh, but servicewithstyle.com definitely will get you uh, some background on Darren. His stuff is awesome. You can tell just from listening to him. He knows what's going on in the business. He's seeing it from his clients all over the place. So I appreciate you sharing that stuff with us. I like to dig and prod, and, and Darren is super open to just kind of reveal what's 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 inside and what's working for folks. So I hope folks find this useful. I look into my two, three pages of scratch notes, so I, I know I took down a lot of stuff. I, I hope people that listened did as well. Um, Darren, I appreciate it, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Great. It was awesome. Folks, this has been Jamie Oichel from RunningRestaurants.com along with Darren Dennington from Service with Style. Check them out on the web at ServiceWithStyle.com. Check us out at RunningRestaurants.com. And from there, you can get all our social profiles and make sure you subscribe to folks, uh, things like our YouTube channel and our Apple podcast. Uh, get us on Facebook and Twitter. We're real active on all those platforms. We don't want you to miss anything. So we appreciate you listening today. I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I appreciate our guest, Darren. And we'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks so much.